I'm going to start. All right, I'm starting to record because I'm going to put it on my podcast. Okay, so uh, what I'm going to just do is I'm just going to read out a, a quick summary of this week's Torah portion, which is very, very <laughs> fascinating. I mean, every Torah portion is fascinating, but this week is quite astounding. It's called Korach. Korach was the name of a, a Levite. That's why I wanted Steve to be on, because Steve is a Levite. And he rebelled against Moshe Rabbeinu. And it's the first uh, rebellion against his leadership. We've had rebellions before and complaints. We had complaints the beginning of Bamidbar, the book of uh, Bamidbar. We had complaints last week when the spies went into Israel and came back and gave a bad report and complained. So we've had complaints. We've never had a rebellion where someone tried to usurp Moshe Rabbeinu's leadership role. So uh, what he did was he convinced 250 men that were actually uh, great people to join him and uh, he he was asking Korach was asking for a more democratic uh, leadership role and that uh, it shouldn't just be that it gets passed down by um, uh, by lineage uh and so he was able to convince 250 people to join him. And then we have something uh, dramatic that happened. Now, I don't know about you. If, if Moshe Rabbeinu comes and he, and he challenges them and uh, he tells them to bring an offering of incense to see who God will choose to fill uh, the position. Um, now, I don't know about you. If, if, if uh, Moshe Rabbeinu were to challenge me, I don't think I would take up the challenge after everything that's, that's happened to the Jewish people over, you know, uh, the period in Egypt and the miracles and the spreading of the sea and all the, you know, all the miracles that took place at Mount Sinai. I, I, would, I would not be, but somehow their egos got in the way and they decided to challenge Moshe Rabbeinu. And a remarkable thing happened the earth opened up and swallowed them. They swallowed Korach and his, and his yeah. uh, followers. And the Torah doesn't make such a big deal about it. You know, it's, it's pretty mir miraculous that the earth opened up and swallowed them. Uh, and then there happened, then there was a second rebellion even after that. Then the, the general population complained uh, that Moshe Rabbeinu had... Uh, killed these very high-ranking people. And uh, what happened was a plague was offered. I mean, a plague took place and 14,700 people died. And it only stopped, it only stopped when Aaron, Aaron, the high priest, he offered an incense offering and it stopped. Uh, and then there's another miracle about uh, to, to demonstrate that Aaron is also the leader of, of the priests of the Kwanim. 
he gets told to bring a staff, uh, you know, and uh, all the other uh, leaders brought a staff, and Aaron's staff blossomed with almonds. Now, that's uh, obviously a deep mystical reason why that happened. But you see that over the course of this whole portion, that there's a challenge on Moses and Aaron's leadership. And my rabbi, Rabbi Nachman Bullman, he would often talk about the state of American Jewry and bring up this week's Torah when, when this week's Torah portion came up, because essentially there has been a challenge on the leadership of the Jewish people uh, from that time and onwards, uh, where the people who are uh, leading the Jewish people are challenged uh, in various ways. The most recent would be, you know, in, in recent years when reform and conservative uh, came and challenged the legitimacy of Orthodox Jews and said, we also deserve to be leaders. We also deserve to have rights. We also deserve, you know, to make decisions about halacha, etc. And even in Israel, where uh, we just had a, you know, we're just about to have a new government take power, but a, a big part of, of the dynamic that goes on in Israel is the questioning of the Torah leadership, the leadership of the, of the Jewish community in Israel, who makes decisions about things like uh, can buses run on Shabbat and uh, who serves in the army and uh, are the people who, who learn in yeshivas, do they get supported by the government or not? All these are uh, challenges to uh, Jewish authority that have taken place uh, over the last 75 years, you know, since the, the creation of the state. And it's going to certainly continue after this new government is put in power. So I'm going to come back to this last part uh, in in a moment. Uh, but the question really for us, because we're not running for office, we're not challenging anybody's, you know, leadership. However, sometimes we do get involved in arguments and challenges to other people's authority, whether it's at work or it's at home, getting involved with a family that is, you know, if there are two members in a family that are uh, you're arguing with each other, it's very easy, just like those 250 leaders, to get drawn into an argument and very difficult to stay out of it uh, because we do have egos and we do sometimes think that we are right, or maybe many times we think we're right, and and to humble oneself and to, to allow uh, the two parties that are at odds with each other to uh, deal with the, the argument on their own and not get involved, it can sometimes be quite difficult. So uh, I'm going to show you another book. And I'm, by the way, what I'm going to do, Debbie, I'll tell you what I've been, what I did last week is I'm going to talk for about, till about 3.30. And then we're going to open it up for questions and discussions. And uh, because sometimes what I do is I tend to, 
control the floor and uh, and don't give everyone else a chance to speak. So I'm going to talk for about another 10, 12 minutes or so, and then we'll open it up. But I want to also discuss some of the mitzvahs that are in this week's Torah portion that are related. Um, so this is a great book. Another great book. Have you, have you seen this one, Live the Blessing? So I love this book. And it's all about daily wisdom on how to live in peace with family, friends, and yourself. You see, it's so easy. It's so easy to, you know, work out the, the Palestinian-Israeli, you know, conflict and to come up with answers on how to solve that conflict when, or to, you know, to work out how we're going to solve the immigration crisis at the border or, you know, the, the, uh, the conflict, you know, between Democrats and Republicans in, uh, in Washington. It's easy to come up with solutions to those things. It's much, much harder come up with solutions on how to get on better with your neighbor next door that, uh, you know, stays up late at night and makes a noise and, you know, won't, you know, won't keep quiet, you know, when you ask him to, to make, to, to put the sound down or uh, a conflict, you know, between uh, two department heads about, you know, where the company picnic is going to be and, and, uh, you know, and how to resolve things like that. But that's really where the work uh, of being a Jew is most important because those are the things we can deal with. Those are the things we really can um, make, an, make an impact and bring peace in our own circle with, with our friends and family and colleagues much more than we are going to be able to solve you know, all the bigger problems of the world. So a book like this, which uh, came out, I don't know, about a year ago, uh, I've been, and the way they do it, you know, it's, you can't just read a book like this in one sitting. You can't just sit down and read. You have to, you have to absorb it. You have to think about it. So what they've done is they have on every single day a, uh, a story and a lesson and so you can go through the calendar. You can go through the year, just pick it up and read one page a day. And you'll see that after the end of the year, you know, you're probably going to have more better relationships with the people around you. Uh, so let's just take a look. For example, do you know that I mentioned this just before you came on, Debbie and Howard, that uh, we are about to enter into the month of Tammuz. Tonight is Rosh Chodesh. It's actually two days of Rosh Chodesh. The month of Tammuz uh, starts tonight. And 17 days after tonight or after tomorrow night, we have what's called the fast of the 17th of Tammuz. And that ushers in a period of time called the three weeks, which is a semi-morning period in the Jewish calendar. Uh, uh, we don't have weddings. We don't play music. The, the morning actually increases over time until we get to Tishabav, which mourns the destruction of the temples. And so 
even though summer is a time when, you know, we all want to relax and we all want to get out and go traveling and go hiking and, you know, swimming and doing all those barbecuing and all those wonderful things that we haven't been able to do with our friends and family for such a long time. And there is a place for that. Uh, and, you know, my, my children went to summer camps and, and they almost lived the whole year just for those summer camps. Uh, and even at those summer camps, there is Torah learning. There is, there is learning in the morning, but they have fun and they go swimming and they go hiking and they do all play sports. There is a time for that. But right in the middle of the summer comes a three-week period where we like sort of take a step back and think to ourselves, why is it that we are sitting in Northern California and Indianapolis and Chicago and wherever else we are and why are we not in Israel? The answer is because the temples were destroyed and we were sent into exile. And the reason why the temples were destroyed and, and we were sent into exile is because we fought with each other. And we'll talk about more as we get closer to this time, but we're almost getting a little bit of a, a foreshadowing of that in this week's Torah portion because we are discussing uh, an argument that took place between Moshe Rabbeinu and uh, those who rebelled against him. So I'm going to just open up to the first of Tammuz, and I'll read out uh, this today's today's um, day, and let's see if we can learn a lesson. Now, I will tell you that it has sections on uh, it has sections on inner peace, and it has a section on uh, dynamics between you and your spouse, you and your siblings, parents and children working in peace friends and neighbors, uh, and what happens when you part in peace, strategies for peace, apologizing. Uh, now, when we start talking about apologizing, that starts getting us thinking about Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, which is also not so far away, especially because last Rosh Hashanah and last Yom Kippur, we probably, you know, felt bad about some of the things we did and we said we were going to improve and become better. And now is about the time to start thinking, well, what about those things that I said I was going to change and I didn't change? You know, maybe maybe over the summer you can go for a long walk and you can think about those things so that you don't come into Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur thinking to yourself, you know, I, I really should have done much better. We still have time. There's still time till the end of the year. And all of this that I'm saying, I'm really talking to myself, you know, because I'm the one that made up all these big plans last year, especially after everything that's happened in the world, we said that this Rosh Hashanah, we're really going to change things, you know. Okay, so let me just find the uh, first of Tammuz. Here we go. Okay. So for the first of Tammuz, um, uh, this is a good one. Uh you can afford to be kind to your competitor. Business competitors sometimes see each other as personal adversaries, even when they believe it's nothing personal. Their behavior toward each other is colored by suspicion. They begrudge each other's successes 
conjure up schemes that will put the competitor at a disadvantage. Um, people who have this approach might believe that it is the ticket to success, but really it's a mark of failure. Successful people network with their competitors as they share their ideas, refer customers, form partnerships, help new members of the industry establish themselves. Um, now, that's in the that's even if you don't have the Torah in in mind. But the the Torah says that Hashem decides how much money we're going to make and how well we're going to do in business. So being competitive is part of business, but it doesn't mean we have to undermine our competitors. And we don't know, it doesn't mean we have to be upset if they're successful because whatever they're going to achieve is not going to take away from my success at all. And that was also part of Korach's problem. He could have achieved greatness in his own right. He, he was a Levite himself. There was lots of great things he could have achieved. But because he was jealous of Moshe Rabbeinu, so he did not want Moshe to succeed and be successful. Um, um, and what happens is, and we've seen this, is that when we do compete with each other, it consumes us. It doesn't consume the competitor. It doesn't, doesn't you know, uh, affect the competitor as much as it affects us. Uh, you, have, you have anger. You have uh, jealousy. Uh, but if you have an attitude of there's room for everyone, you're not going to lose anything. Instead, you'll gain everything you want in life because all of it is, is through this attitude of trying to make peace Make peace with yourself. Make peace with other people around you. So that's a good message. That's on page 302 of Live the Blessing. And that's a, that's a good lesson. Okay, so it's 328. What I want to do is just share one, one thing with you. The, the, there's really so much in each week's Torah portion that you could just keep on going on you know, for a long, long time. But the, I've been quoting from this series, the Book of Mitzvahs which goes through the Torah portion uh, every week by looking at each of the parishes. So uh, there are nine mitzvahs in this week's Torah portion. Uh, one of them that I really wanted to discuss if Steve was around was the obligation to redeem a firstborn. You know, uh, when, when someone has a firstborn child, there's an obligation to redeem that firstborn child. Um, firstborn son, though, isn't firstborn it? Firstborn son, that's correct. Firstborn yeah. son. And uh, I I know that if it's a Kohen, then you don't have to redeem the, the son. And I'm not sure of a Levite as well. I'm pretty sure a Levite has to redeem them as well. Uh, and then there's a discussion, then there's a myth for the obligation of the Levites to serve in the temple. And the Levites were a very special class of people. You know, we, we do believe, we, we do believe that everybody was created in the image of God, but we don't believe that everybody was created equal. Some people are Kohanim and some people are Levim and some people are Yisraelim and those, they have got different responsibilities different privileges. And one of the privileges that the Levites had was that they served in the temple. They, they were the closest, so to speak, to the king, and they had special responsibilities. But with those responsibilities, 
uh, came a certain price that they had to pay. And one of the prices they had to pay was that they could not own property. Uh, they could not own land. And so they weren't able to, you know, uh, survive financially without the support of everybody else. And the way that was set up, there were actually 24 different categories of gifts that were given to the Kohanim and the Levites. And two of them are described in this week's Torah portion. One is what's called Ma'aseh Rishon, the first tithe. And the second one is an obligation of the Levites. Once they were given the first tithe was to give part of what they were given to the Kohanim themselves. So, you know, uh, as you know, I'm a, a fundraiser. So I have to, I have to ask people to support what I do. And, uh, everyone that's on this call has supported Jet, so I'm going to take this opportunity to thank you all for supporting us. But what you're really doing uh, by doing the mitzvah of supporting Jet is really helping other Jewish students learn more about their Jewish heritage, their Jewish history. And I think I mentioned in last week or the week before the Pew report that just came out, which doesn't paint a a rosy picture of the future of the of the Jewish people in this country. So uh, I don't just need your your financial support. I need your prayers, and we need God's help so that we can reach out to all the arenas of the world. You know, find find all of those all of those arenas and Nathans out there that really are searching for answers and and are looking for for meaning in their lives. They just were never exposed to exposed to Judaism. You know, I met, I met a couple this week whose son is getting married to a nice Jewish girl. They asked me to be the Masada Kedushan, the one who's officiating at the wedding. Uh, and this woman was telling me her and her husband grew up in Czechoslovakia, but they grew up after the war when, uh, when many, many parents to protect their children did not tell them that they were Jewish. And didn't tell them anything about uh, the Jewish tradition, which must have been very, very painful for them. She did not know about Pesach. She did not know about Purim. She had not been into a synagogue until she ended up moving to Israel. And then she obviously learned a lot then. Uh, and it's a miracle, really, that her son is getting married to another Jew. It really, really is. Uh but we don't live in a world today. I mean, there is a lot of anti-Semitism, but nobody's preventing us from learning anything. No one's preventing us. In fact, there's so much to learn and we're so free to learn, but our, many of us have got no interest. Many of us, you know, will, you know, find other things, you know, much more interesting. And the unfortunate thing is that Many of the things that people are interested in are very fleeting, uh, don't really make an impact on a person's life. Uh, and many times it's driven by physical, you know, desires, you know, whether it's to make more money or to get more famous things that we're not, we're not going to take into the next world. And, you know, I'm hoping that one of the, one of the benefits or one of the lessons that's going to come out of 
the the last 15 months that we've gone through is that maybe younger people are going to start looking for more meaning in their lives and see that our lives are so fragile. We can, you know, we really can lose them at any point in our lives. You know, there's, there's no guarantee we're going to live to a long, happy, you know, uh, age. Uh, and so maybe it'll uh, awaken, you know, people to start learning a little bit more about their heritage. Okay. So, I'm going to take a little bit of break. So just to review again, and then I'll, I'll take questions uh, or comments or any, any thoughts that you have. Uh, we, we are you know, tracing the story of the Jewish people through the desert. Uh, they were supposed to go straight from Mount Sinai into Israel, build a temple, and do all the mitzvahs that Moshe Rabbeinu told them about. But instead, first of all, they complained. Secondly, they asked to have spies sent into Israel to check the place out and then came back with a bad report. And then this week we have the, the rebellion of Korach and his 250 followers who get swallowed up when the earth opens up. Then there's another rebellion which uh, ends only when Aaron brings uh, incense. And just by the way, uh, I will just tell you something very, very interesting. You know, uh, in the beginning, in the beginning uh, of the prayer services in the morning, in the beginning of in the beginning of the prayer services in the morning, we there is a custom. Some people read the passages dealing with the service in the temple, and one of the services is the bringing of the incense. So, right at the beginning of uh, the pandemic, uh, there was a, a famous rabbi in Israel who said that one thing you can do to help ward off the pandemic is start, is to say the passage that's talking about incense. Now, why, why the passage about incense? What, what, what does that have to do? So the answer is from this week's Torah portion. And, and the Talmud says that one thing that, that stops a pandemic and stops a plague is the incense that was brought in the uh, in the temple, and I have to say that I started doing it uh, when I read that you know announcement by this rabbi, and I think a lot of other people also did. And I would love to do a survey, you know, do a, I'd love the Pew, you know, uh, Institute to do a survey of how many people who read started saying. The, the passage about incense, how many of them survived? Uh, it would, I think it would be a very, very, because imagine if, it, imagine if everybody who said the passage on incense survived, that would be a pretty remarkable thing. Don't you think? If, imagine if it wasn't just wearing masks, but if, you, but if you said or kept social distancing. Imagine if everybody who said the passage on incense survived, that would be that would be a good a good thing to remember for for next time. Okay, that's my. I don't want to get too political and start talking too much. I want, you know, one thing I try and do is I try not use these words, uh, pandemic and virus and masks, social distancing. I I, I think a big part of of uh, coming out of all of this in a healthy way 
is to stop talking about it and to just, you know, talk about other things and not to have it be a part of our every single conversation as has been for the last 16 months. So at our Shabbos table, for example, uh, we do not talk about it. I make a point of telling our guests not to talk about it at all. And it changes the conversation at the table and it lightens it up. And it doesn't mean that you're not sensitive and you don't feel for the people that have suffered or God forbid have, have lost people. But I think, you know, uh, it, we've all gone through a lot. It's almost, you know, we've almost all got, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder from this and we need to heal ourselves. We're not all going to be able to go to get professional help. But one way I think we can do besides going out and getting sunshine is we can uh, do things like uh, not talk about it and be more positive in our, in our speech, be, uh, be more uh, optimistic and, and encourage people, avoid conflict as much as we possibly can. Okay, I've gone over time. Any questions, any comments? Uh, uh, Debbie, yes. It's good to have you uh, back, by the way. It's really nice to see you. Thank you. you. So glad to be back. We had so many graduation activities and stuff the last two weeks. So good, good to be back. Great to see everyone, uh, hear your voices. Yeah. Uh, I was just going to say that I, I've been trying to work on positive speech uh, and and intersecting with that. I, we had nine people in the house. So my my in-laws, as well as my, my parents and uh, our, our kids and and I've, I found that trying, as you said, to not focus on the negative and just keeping things positive, focusing on how well things are going, all that, it was, it made a huge difference. And I also found, and this was something that you mentioned for you, that over time, if you are focusing on the positive things, you actually stop thinking so much about what's not going right or how that person annoyed you in the past. Now you see that little bit of annoyance get, it actually was a great relief to me. Um, so certainly not a perfect, uh, vacation for everyone or anything, but really um, did make a nice difference. So, um, and then the second thing I wanted to say is it's so interesting because I've been wrestling in my mind a lot about what's happening in the Middle East. I'd love to get your perspective at some point on the new government. I don't even know anyone knows much about it, but right. um, the, the fact is, you know, like I can be very locked up trying to think about these things that are, you know, quite hard to impact. Um, but then this idea of the nosy, noisy neighbor, actually one of the reasons Rena was a little concerned about going back to Champagne where she's gonna take a summer class is one of her roommates who she sort of just got placed with, it's not a roommate she chose, like actually smokes pot and has a wow. prescription for it. Somehow it's part of, you know, like to soothe herself or something, but it creates smoke in the apartment and you know, the whole thing, they're not supposed to smoke in the apartment anyway. And she just doesn't know what to, to do. And also, I don't really know what to do that wouldn't, you know, eventually that the girl would figure out that it was us saying to the building, you know, maybe someone's smoking. Anyway, but it just, it is so difficult to kind of overcome even these things that are, you know, somewhat smaller, benign um, issues. Right. So I don't know that I have an answer, but it's good to hear your perspectives. Uh, I'll call the apartment for her. Yeah, I, I mean, I actually, I actually thought about that, like just call as a parent. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know if anyone's ever run a building before. What one does, but does she have? Can I just ask, can can that person have edibles instead of smoking? I mean, I think that that would be much better. Maybe she has. Well, yeah, of course it was. You know, 
Yeah, would be much better. Yeah. Marty, that's a good uh, that's a good solution. Although the better solution, unless the person really needs it. Yeah, I don't uh, know. Yeah, I mean, it, it, that could be the. Uh, Mm -hmm. um, you know, the first thing I would I would ask you, Debbie, is does Rena have a choice? Uh, is there any way that she can change roommates? I mean, I'm guessing yeah, that yeah. that this has come up and it's going to come up more and more often. Now they can't change every time anybody says, "Well, my roommate snores," or you know, "My roommate uh, doesn't have good body odor," or whatever it is. You could, otherwise, they'd be right changing people all the time. But this seems to me to be something quite serious. You know, okay. I don't think, first of all, like you said, if they're not allowed to smoke in, in their rooms, uh, yeah. then the question becomes, you know, a, a separate question is, uh, is Rena allowed to tell that her roommate is smoking in the room? And because I tell you, I tell you why I asked that, uh, we were learning in the clean speech, you know, challenge yeah. that um, if the if the punishment would be that they would be right. kicked off campus and they wouldn't be allowed right. to return, exactly. then yeah. Rena would not want that to be that to happen yeah. to have to happen to the roommate. Uh, exactly. So I think it's a fantastic opportunity for her to. You know, look into different possibilities. Try avoid conflict. Try resolve it yeah. because we all know that we have conflicts all the time. That's yeah. that's Hashem's way of helping us grow as people and to become better people. So this for this for sure is going to help Rena yeah. grow as a person. Am I growing like crazy then? How do you want it to say something? Yeah. Um, actually, I want to say two things. Okay, and go ahead. Number one, I have a medical marijuana cannabis card. Uh, sure. As you know, Rabbi, um, four and a half years ago, I was diagnosed with lung cancer all the way, with including brain tumors. And I know for a fact that you can, obviously, I have it. I don't use it much because I've been very fortunate uh, in that I don't need it for being nauseous or whatever, but yeah. my doctor specifically said you are not to have any, you know, smoking, but you can get the same combination if you talk to these people at the uh, medical cannabis uh, place mm -hmm. with, with with edibles. Um, yeah. Now, the reason I'm saying that is it, it might help you because your daughter might be able to talk to a roommate and just say. You know, a we're not supposed to be smoking, but b it, it's it's bothering me because I don't feel well or whatever the situation is. And I I personally know for a fact you can get the same combination of uh, THC <laughs> and um, the other piece with the sure. same power. So okay, and 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 so that might help you. That's number one. Number two. Thanks, to follow up what you were saying with looking for the positive, uh, Rabbi, you and I, have, I know that I've shared this with you um, a long time ago. I, I have tried to look at the positive with the cancer. Um, 
nobody wants to have, nobody in their right mind would say they want to have cancer, especially with brain tumors. But I have a choice on how I want to live my life, either being a victim or saying, okay, I have it. What can I do? Well, I found myself doing more mitzvot. I found myself based upon uh, Rabbi Khan saying, I should try this. I've been going not every single day, but I, I try to listen to the weekly commentary about on the Talmud for each parsha, each, each what is it called again, Rabbi? Each Daf Yomi. Yes, and I do that. I was raised reform, but I probably put on tefillin three or four times a week. To the fact that when I have my brain MRIs, which I'll have next week, I basically start with as many of the morning prayers and and melodies I can remember, even though I butcher them, I just keep repeating them for the hour I'm in that, that tube. Um, and it has helped me because, again, we don't get to choose the cards we're dealt out of life, but we get to choose how we want to react to them. Um, the other thing I want to point out is somewhere in the last couple of years, I took a course through the Chabad and it was on the power of positivity. And somebody had written a book about the Rebbe's feeling about being positive and why you should look at everything in a positive light as much as possible. He actually, and I don't remember the entire story. I have to go look, look it up and get it to you, Rabbi. Um, he actually mentioned Korach and mentioned, you can look at it this way, that he was trying to destroy uh, Moshe Rabino. He was trying to go against Hashem. He was trying to do all this kind of stuff, but he was looking at it as a learning opportunity. And how you can look at it differently, that it did bring in debate and other things that have helped in our, for generations to come. So, um, but I do have a question on the Torah portion. Yes, go ahead. If 250 people were the instigators, the leaders that, that followed Korah, why were there 14,000 plus people that died? Well, that's a very good question. The 14,000 similar came after the whole rebellion uh, because they complained that the leaders, these 250 people and Korach and his sons were killed. Um, and they came afterwards. Now, if we had an art scroll Chumash, we'd be able to look inside of it and we'd be able to see exactly what the commentaries say. So I'm going to, Howard, I'm going to leave, I'm going to leave that, you know, for homework for you. Okay, I'll do that. You got, you know, that's what's nice about doing this on a Wednesday is we've got until Shabbos and you've got Shabbos to, to look into it. And uh, if I have more insights into that, you know, particular episode, uh, it is. Uh, I mean, that's a lot of people uh, to have died. And what is the connection between the incense? Uh, you know, what's also interesting, just by the way is that in the incense, there was lots of different ingredients. There were a lot of different ingredients. One of them was a foul-smelling or foul-tasting ingredient um, called halbono. And the rabbis say that if you don't have that in, the incense is not valid. And you can't... Um, you, can't use the, you can't use the incense without this in. And the message is that... Every one of us has got parts of us that we, we are not so happy about. Or my, maybe in a group of 100 people, there might be a few bad apples and people who, who are not so pleasant to be around. 
but we all need to be together and we all need to see ourselves as a united whole. And then uh, we can offer, so to speak, ourselves and our service to Hashem. Um, and, you know, uh, it is true. And Debbie just, you know, asked me, I, I don't want to talk too much about politics and about the government that's just about to come in, because all I can tell you is that everything that you're reading in the paper and everything you see on TV is not the truth. It's partially true, but it's so far from what's really going on. When I lived in Israel for six years, and when I would go in and out of the country on various trips, and this is a, the same applies to every country. If you were going to ask, what is it really like in China? What is it really like in the south side of Chicago? What is it you know, really like uh, in South Africa, as people often ask me? Um, until you're actually living there and speaking to people and, and seeing it from their point of view, uh, it's very, very hard to make sense of what's going on. And especially in a country like Israel, where there are so many different factions and you have a, a government that's coming together with seemingly, you know, completely opposing points of view. In one respect, you know, in one respect, it's, it's positive that you have so many people that are coming together. You know, and and maybe it's a lesson that we can make, you know, peace and you can make progress when when you have a common goal and you and you have different points of view. Now, the reason I don't want to speak so much about it is because uh, it's very unwise to make predictions about what's going to happen, you know, in Israeli politics more more than, you know, 24 hours in advance. But I think what we have to do is we have to pray we have to pray that uh, this brings uh, people together and doesn't separate them. Or, or, or there's a debate that takes place that is peaceful. Uh, we can disagree with each other, but we should do it peacefully. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, we know that not too long ago, uh, the prime minister of Israel was assassinated because of, you know, political disagreements there were, it was uh, uh, I just watched I watched a documentary on Menachem Begin last night uh, that's just coming out uh, which was very very interesting and he sat in the opposition for 30 years before he became prime minister he didn't you know resort to you know there was a time he was a he he fought for the Irgun and he fought against the British occupation because there was no other alternative um at least in his eyes. But when he was in the opposition uh, in the government in Israel, uh, he he was patient and he and he gave his point of view until eventually he became prime minister. And uh, I, I, I think that's one of the, the, the most difficult things for me personally when I'm in Israel and when I was there is just seeing how much what's called machloikas, how much division there is in the country. And we know that when we are united, then Hashem protects us. And when we have shalom, then, and we don't speak Losh and horror, then Hashem protects us. So all I can do is pray after we just came out of a war, you know, that, that we can disagree, but we should disagree peacefully. And, that, and um, I'm going to be, you know, following developments. Uh, the, the one thing I am a little concerned about um, 
which ties into the Torah portion. I mentioned that the Levites served in the temple and they didn't have land. They weren't, they, they couldn't earn their own salary, so to speak. They relied on, they relied on the generosity of, uh, of the people. Now it wasn't just generosity, it was a mitzvah to support them. Um, uh, and the, the people that replace the Levites are, are the people that are sinning in Yeshiva and learning in Israel today. Those are the, those are the ones who are, and it is a sacrifice what, what they go through. Um, and we believe that learning Torah protects the Jewish people. In fact, I was going to say just, uh, I don't want to mix too many metaphors and, and, and mix everything too much together, but there is a line in the Talmud that says that God created the Yetzirah, the evil inclination, and he gave us an antidote. And the antidote is the Torah. The Torah can solve all our problems. And in fact, the, the word that's used for antidote or medicine is the same word as a drug. So in some respects, the Torah is the drug. We don't need marijuana to calm us down and we don't need marijuana to, to heal us. We need Torah. Now, obviously, medically, I'm not talking about medically. I, 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 I'm talking about people who are maybe using it for other reasons as well. So uh, Howard and Debbie, those are great comments. We did not get a chance to hear yet yeah. from, from Lou and Marty. Marty or Lou, is there anything you want to, you want to add before we wrap it up for, for the week? Yeah, and, and, and also I just wanted to thank you so much, Howard, for everything you shared and, and, and very valuable and super practical advice for my daughter. You know, I don't, she would not know how to have phrased it just like you did. So I wrote it down. I've already emailed it to myself to talk and to her please, about it. And, really and please, let me know how, please let me know how that goes. I have to buzz off sure. to a business Zoom session in four minutes. Okay, so thank you, Rabbi. And how we take care. Have a good show. Great to hear. You too. Thank you. Okay. All right. Yes. And sorry. Then back to the group. Love to hear. All right, Lou and Lou and Marty. Marty, your old hairstyle looks a lot like mine. Don't I look great? You know, if I went blonde and I flipped the image, we would be the exact same individual. Well, you know what? That image is is for some reason flipped from its original, which I don't understand. But don't I look awesome in that picture? <laughs> that's 40 that's for 1974 see this is why you have grandchildren it's this 1973 the holiness and the hair yeah well i wish but uh, 1973 so it's 48 years ago wow but i do look great lou don't have nice great? teeth yeah 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 no kidding i didn't notice those <laughs> <laughs> all right um Marty or Lou, any comments on anything we've said? Otherwise, we'll wrap it up and we'll we'll see each other next week uh, for another, you know, exciting. Next week is is also going to be very very interesting, and um, and I'll be I'll be in contact with you, Lou, to get your address so I can send you uh, an Otsko Chumash. And then. All right. All right. Anyway, everyone, have a good week. Have a good Shabbos. Enjoy the sunshine and uh, and be nice to everyone around you. Okay. Thank you. Thank All you, right. Thank you. Take good care. Shabbos. You too. Take care. Bye-bye.